Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Simon von Bromley and I will be your host today and we are joined by our senior technical editor for Road, Warren Roster. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. Great. Well, today we are very lucky to be joined by Was as he has just completed a really important head-to-head of SRAM Rival Access ETAP versus the new Shimano 105DI2. So we're going to talk you through all of Was's findings what he thought, and importantly, which one is the winner? Unless it's a draw. We will find out. But before we get into that, was how are you doing? What have you been up to? Um, at the minute, I've been riding a all-new steel gravel bike uh, that's actually under embargo, so I can't really talk much more about it. Safe to say, though, it has got SRAM Rival Axis Explore, which is their gravel-specific version of this group on it. Um, and then for the rest of this week, I'm heading out to the Canary Islands to ride an all-new gravel stroke or road bike um which i'm really looking forward to it's a it's from a european brand it looks really exciting but more than that um it means i'll be able to get away from the rain so rather than my gravel rides being sort of sludge maybe i'll actually get some dust yeah more kind of cyclocross season than gravel season in the uk isn't it yeah (laughs) right well that's that's that sounds really good but let's just kind of get into it because i think your point around uh you know the kind of sram rival xplr is kind of interesting because that's something we're going to come on to isn't it but what was the kind of uh obviously i think you know it's kind of pretty self-explanatory but what were the kind of parameters you set yourself for this head-to-head well i mean it, it all comes off the back of you know shimano entering into 105 level di2 which for years and years and years it says that it was something they said they'd never do um but i guess that sram sort of took the fight to shimano back in 2021 launching rival axis um so i guess they felt they really needed to respond um i've had plenty of time with new 105 di2 to put it through its paces um i've got a lot more experience on rival axis having had it i think six months prior to launch and and had it on a bike ever since so um yeah, it's been on one of my personal bikes for more than two years now. So I, I, I really just wanted to see how the group sets pair up, how easy they are to live with. Quality of shifting is obviously all important. Um, and then there's things like braking, but we're now dealing with the electronic world. So there's so much more than just the simple act of changing gear and stopping your bike. And it's fair to say, because you kind of already alluded to this, isn't it, that uh, they're both kind of road-focused group sets, but... Rival offers a little bit more than just road, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. With SRAM um, launching their their kind of explore range um, across all levels of group, um, you know, quite recently they've they've really embraced the whole kind of gravel thing. You know, again, it looks again it looks like somewhere where Shimano are going to have to respond because as brilliant as GRX Di two is, and it is a fabulous group set, um, it's now eleven speed limited options compared to what SRAM can offer. Yeah, and only at one level. Yeah, and there's only that yeah, there's only that single level, which is sort of Ultegra equivalent. Yeah, so quite yeah. pricey really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so is this mainly a kind of what well, this was head to head is more of a road focused thing? Yes, yeah, so it went definitely went down the road thing, but sort of, you know, just give you know a few of my thoughts on on the kind of wider group, you know, because most people are going to buy these group sets on a on a bike. Um but it's that kind of thing if you want to adapt a little bit, if you want to change things up who, who's going to give you the more broader spectrum as it were okay well let's get right into it and we'll start with the kind of uh let's start with the, the rear derailleur the rear shiftings i think kind of you know most people would sort of say that's the kind of centerpiece of a group set unless you're you know looking unless you love crank sets <laughs> um, <laughs> what are your kind of thoughts in terms of you know how the rear derailleurs stack up against each other which offers the best shift speed? Which offers the best kind of overall experience? It's a really difficult one to to even judge on on, on that. I mean, Shimano's been in the electronic shifting game longer than anybody, um, certainly longer than SRAM. It, now we're into the third genera- generation of Di2, and you know the motor activated shifting from Shimano is just brilliant. It's superb. You know the rear derailleur is just is so impressively quick, accurate, and on one of five Di2, it's easily the equal of you know, the new Ultegra and the new Dura Ace. Um, I mean, it's pretty much indistinguishable from Ultegra Di2, which again, I'm, I've got on one of my own bikes. 
been running it for a long time. I've done a lot on that. You know, I've said it's, you know, I've talked about, yeah. I've talked about it on Bike Radio and on podcasts and everything about, I just think it's the ultimate group set from Shimano. You don't miss Hyperglide Plus, not I on don't. 105 Di2. <laughs> don't exactly miss, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, the 105 Di2, it just does it. It just does everything there. But when you move across to Rival, Rival shares the same electronics, the same motors, the, you know, um, as as the higher price groups. So the shift in the gain is pretty much indistinguishable. The one advantage I think Rival does have over 105 Di2 is it's a bit more versatile because unlike the higher price strong groups, which have got the, the fluid damper um, system, it does have a clutch. It has a sprung clutch on it. So chain management is absolutely brilliant. You know, so... You can ride your road bike on cobbles, on light gravel, on anything, and you're not going to drop the chain. You're not going to ship it. You're not going to chip your chain stays with the chain bouncing around because the chain's managed so well. Sadly, 105 doesn't have that. You know, if you if you want that sort of change management, you've got to go to GRX Di2. Um, and then I guess the other thing is that SRAM also offers rival access in its Explore range, so you can get a longer cage rear mech, so you can get a much, much bigger cassette on there, you know, get like a 1044, you know, put a dinner plate on the back of your bike, and um, and so I'd say versatility-wise, Rival Axis has the edge. In sheer speed and shift quality, however, on optimum road surfaces, Shimano has the edge, so... Kind of, yeah, kind of quite a close one. Who, who did you give the win to? I would probably say Shimano, um just on those pure road yeah. shift qualities. Yeah. Yeah. So Shimano goes up to a 36 tooth at the rear, am I right yeah. in saying? Yeah. Which is, I think, as you sort of alluded to there, is kind of plenty enough for what most people want on a kind of pure road bike. Yes. But yeah, if you're looking to, yeah, if you want a dinner plate sized rear and more a mountain bike rear cassette, then yeah, yeah that's just not an option, is it, with 105? Yeah. And, and you know, and obviously the mechanics of the SRAM rear mech re- reflect that, that kind of more versatile approach anyway, so. What about front derailers, though? And I think, you know, for a long time, Shimano had a bit of a hegemony in front shifting, you know, when they brought out their kind of holotech chain rings yeah. with, you know, I suppose Durace 7900 yeah. in that first generation. You know, that, I, I remember that being a really step up, a big step up in front shifting. And I think a lot of, you know, you know other brands were playing catch up since then. But as we moved into the kind of electronic era, you know, that advantage narrowed, didn't it? You know, does, does Shimano still have a bit of a front shifting advantage, do you think? Again, because they've been doing it for so long and they have worked really, really heavily on front shifting for the new 12-speed stuff. I mean, when you try Ortega Di2 or Durace Di2, the shift accuracy and the shift speed is actually noticeable over the previous gen. And I'm not saying the previous generation was slow. It's just... It's quicker and more reliable, I think, is, is is what you really, really do notice. However, the 105 shifting feels much more like the last generation shifting rather than the new generation shifting. And actually, when you put the 105 Di2 front mech alongside the new Ultegra front mech, there's a difference in shape and size. It actually looks much more like the last generation. So maybe it is. So maybe, I don't know for sure. We don't, I don't know, know but for sure, maybe, but, yeah, but it, yeah, the size it, of it. Yeah, it certainly looks... <laughs> it certainly looks more like the old one than it does the new. Um, with Rival, I'd say, again, the front shifts are pretty much undiscernible from the higher groups. I mean, I would say you might get a little bit more flex in the cage on Rival, especially when you're shifting, like, under load. You know, if you are if you try to big ring up a massive climb and then you think, no, I need to, I need to drop down to my mm. inner ring, you do notice a little bit of flex and ping from the chain, as it were. But what I would say about SRAM is initially I thought SRAM's front shifts we're much slower than Shimano's electronic. But after using Axis for a long, long time, you know, I've got Force Axis on, on one of my bikes. I've got Rival Axis on one of my bikes. I've even got the original Elite-Up on, you know, one of my favourite bikes. I would say now the front shift, and I'm just not so sure. I think it's more of a perception. Because of the shift logic of SRAM, where you press both buttons together, there's almost like this little moment in your mind because you've got to think about pressing two buttons yeah, rather than just one. You feel like you're doing more work. Yeah. Then you feel like, oh, it must be slower. But it basically, it actually isn't. I mean, I've, I've tried this by just assigning one of my uh, satellite shifters, like blips, um, to, to front shift. And so I've only had to one button to press. And then you just go, wow, that's quick mm. because you haven't got that, that mental thought of, I've got to press both buttons together sort of thing. But I would say, you know, f- as a case in point on, on one of my favorite road rides you know road test loops it's a base of a climb it's really steep 
kind of left-hander that then suddenly ramps up. So in mid-corner, you do need to drop. You, need, you do need to drop down. And both rival and Warren Five just go through that, shift that, no problem, and I'm I'm into it. Whereas it's kind of if I'm on a mechanical bike, you do have to almost like double think, and occasionally you'll get it wrong, and then you end up paperboying up the hill rather than. <laughs> <laughs> doing yeah. it as, as you want to yeah I think you know from my I haven't ridden 105 DO2 but I have ridden rival Ultegra DO2 Durace I had a lot of time in Durace and um, you know I, th- I think I agree with you that I think I have a perception that you know, SRAM front shifting is slightly slower but but also we're talking kind of split seconds if you, oh, it's you know it, it's, it's so it's kind of I think in the electronic era, the front shifting from both SRAM and Shimano is just fantastic. As you say, when you compare it to, you know, when I'm back on my bike with, you know, uh, 105 um, R7000, for example, that's a mechanical group set. And uh, often I'm using uh, a power meter, say like my Verve Info Crank, and it's got TA chain rings. And the front shifting on that is is not incredible unless it's absolutely set up perfectly you know new cables and things like that you know like it's fine and and if you if you're using shimano chain rings it, it's generally pretty good but when you get onto a bike with electronic shifting you're like oh actually this is <laughs> it's one of those <laughs> this things. is a lot yeah i mean i would say with with rival Lexus and and with di2 and then on integrity i2 i'd say i've had you know more than a year's worth of use on Ultegra, two years worth of use on rival Lexus. and what i would say for both of them is They've both those front mechs have shifted thousands of times. I mean, with Rival, you know, and using the Axis app, I'm sure I could look into it and actually, you know, if I wanted to, I could do a deep dive and actually work out how many times that front mech shifted because it's, you know, the sort of data it gives you. But in all that time, I've never once had to adjust it. I've never had to make any changes to it. It's just worked. It's just been consistent and it's worked. And that's even without the hint of any sort of chain rub, you know, when you're going big, big or, you know, completely cross-chaining whatever it's it's just continued to to just do its job i mean you know and, and it's one of those one of the reasons why i'm sort of a big advocate of uh, of electronic shifting yeah that all kind of automatic trim function is very nice isn't yeah. it because like I, again i have that on you know you have a trim function on your mechanical gears but you know <laughs> it doesn't always work with every cassette and every chain ring combination yeah. so yeah, yeah. yeah it's quite nice so who who did you give the win to in that one or was there a uh, on this one i just uh i made it a draw you know, it's a it, it's a score draw, so Shimano's still out ahead, but it's two one. It's close. Okay, I think that's fair. What about uh, cassette and chainring options? Now, SRAM and Shimano have kind of gone. Well, to be fair, I think Shimano's kind of stuck with what we'd say were traditional yeah. ratios, yeah. but SRAM have gone in a more, I suppose we could say, progressive. Uh, yeah, direction. they've done. You know, SRAM. It's kind of an interesting thing. SRAM looked into this almost like this redistribution of of gearing. So you ended up with smaller chain rings broader cassettes but and actually the the ratios work out quite in, quite interestingly you know i think they probably went to the smaller chain ring on the front because they'd gone down to a 10 tooth on the back so it's just to keep that that yeah. ratio between the two more even for arguably uh, more even chain wear as it were but i would say the the thing that sram's approach you know changed the way in which they look at ratios and split gears They've ended up with a range of gearing that's roughly equivalent to what we know, 5236, 5034, et cetera, et cetera. But you end up with more spread. So you end up with a, a bigger gear and a lighter gear at, at the equivalent ratios. And it's quite interesting the way they've done it. And it's quite interesting that they've kept the core gears that you use the most with the smallest jumps. You know, I, you know, I, it, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that, that are much... Um, much better climbers than I am, but uh, uh, when I get into like a big, deep, long climb, I'm not really bothered about gear progression. I'm just bothered about having a gear I can spin, and then, you know that's the most important thing to me. But then when I'm on the flat or you're in the meat of something, having those nice close ratios is just the perfect place to be, isn't it? And I think SRAM do that very, very well. And I would say SRAM have a wider range and more options. 105 is a there's, it's there's, not a huge wealth of options in it. You know, I think Shimano seem to be pushing people into boxes, you know, so 105 DO2, you, therefore you're this sort of rider. You're this kind of yeah. sporty endurance stroke leisure rider. So these are the only ratios you need. I think at the moment, you the only option available is a 50-34. I know a 52-36 is coming next yeah. year. It's now listed on Shimano's okay. site. But, but it, I originally... Actually, yeah, I haven't actually seen it in the flesh. No, so... Oh, yeah. So it's basically like, you know, this is your sporty group set. And then if you want something a bit 
sportier, you've got to move up to Ortegra. And then Jura Race is where, you know, that's yeah. where the pros live, it, which is an interesting approach, whereas SRAM's approach has just been more, all these options are available throughout all the, you know, the price points of their range. Um, so I would say if you're happy with standard setups, Shimano's all good. You know, it's fine. They probably offer what you want. But if you're looking for something a bit more particular, you're probably better off looking at Rival because there's just that wealth of of options out there. So you gave, I think you gave the win to Rival on this one. I did, yeah. 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 So it's interesting. I, I, you know, I think I really agree with you uh, about SRAM's cassettes uh, progression. And that was one of the things that I think Shimano has basically copied. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, other than the kind of starting on the 10, you know, Shimano 105 Di2 still starts with an 11 tooth. But their older 11 to 34 cassettes, for example, the progression was very linear mm. and it was really naff. Yeah, because yeah. like you said, when you were kind of going fast and you wanted those kind of micro adjustments of cadence, because obviously, you know, the difference between a 12 and a 14 cog in terms of cadence is actually quite a lot. Mm. Um, but obviously when you're climbing and you're going slower, you know, you, what you really want is just an easy enough gear. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so having that kind of tight, tight spacing at the bottom of the cassette when you're, you know, which you use when you're going really fast and then having the sacrificing it by having the wider spacing at, at the bottom for me feels like a, a, a really good trade off. And I've always been really happy with that. Um, what I'm the kind of, the kind of performance weenie in me is less, I, I don't like the kind of uh, smaller chain rings and a 10-tooth cog as much, even though, like, you know, <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's not the most important thing, yeah. you know. But is that terms. purely a visual? Part, partly. It, I, you know, it, it, I, can't get my, I can't get my head around the idea that I'm just, you know, I've got a 56-tooth chain ring on my time trial bike just because, like, it's more efficient in inverted commas, mm. you know. It does feel really... I feel like I can feel it when you're... Because, you know, when... This sounds really sad, but on, on those few moments in the time trial where I'm on the 56 in a really good chain line, it feels incredible, you know, because you're pedaling a super efficient gear. It feels really, really good. How often does that happen? Like, realistically, not very much, I'll admit. But, and I have a thing in my head about kind of like, oh, the small chain ring at the front, you know, it doesn't feel so good. But, you know, like the likelihood is, I'm sure, as you said, you kind of, the Ceram Axis app would probably tell me I'm in a more efficient gear more often. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, but I don't have that. I don't have that data, and I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, I, you know, reservations about that aside. I, I think you're right. You know, like it's interesting the way that SRAM is taking kind of cassette and chambering options, and and I do, and I do think you're right that I would also bemoan the kind of the kind of the relative lack of options available at um, the Shimano 105 Di2 level. I think it's a shame to see that they've got. You know, maybe not too many people wanted a 5339 chief chambering option at 105 but it was nice to have the option yeah yeah definitely um anyway let's move on to braking now shimano has made a kind of quite a few adjustments to braking at the higher end uh for its latest ortega and Durace group sets mm. did all of those upgrades get carried over to pretty much yeah they've brought they've brought um servo wave down which is what they introduced on GRX di2 you know that means that and it's something that they borrow from from mountain biking because that means your initial brake pad action is just much much quicker. So the braking starts sooner through your levers travel, and then it it just seems to ramp up far more progressively. So you just about the same you know it's the same amount of power, it's just infinitely more feel. And I would say it's the best feeling brake on a drop bar that you'll find, and that includes braking from the hoods. You know most of us spend most of our time riding on the hoods, yet. The optimum braking on road bikes has always been when you're down in the drops, which always seems counterproductive to me. And and it's something Shimano absolutely addressed with GRX. And I think the response to it was so good. They went, well, we should roll it out over over everything. They've also increased the the gap between the pad and the rotor when it's just standing still. By It's only by about 10%, but it does make a difference. I mean, um, you always used to get a little bit of an issue on some DI2 bikes of the last generation where you get a little bit of rotor scrape, especially when the weather's atrocious. Yeah. And um that's sort of disappeared now. You know, so the they are a lot easier to live with. The braking's better and the braking feels better. And I always just think, you know, better brakes make you faster. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think, you know, one of the nice things about the they they've just carried over the same uh rotor design from the previous generation. 
which isn't the prettiest rotor design on the market. But I do think one of the one of the things about it is it's a little bit heavier. It's a little bit more robust than the kind of the old Ultegra and the old Durace rotors. And I think as a result of that, they tended to be a little bit quieter. You know, they didn't kind of warp so much under heavy braking, which you don't get those kind of ting, 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 ting after yeah. a descent. And they were a little bit quieter in kind of mucky weather, as you said. So I think, you know... Uh, you know, a Dura-Ace review is in the works, and uh, but one of my kind of things with that with that review is that actually you really need the new new Dura-Ace rotors to get the best out of that system yes, yeah, because yeah. I think they're the new new Dura-Ace rotors are a little bit more like, ironically, a little bit more like the 105 rotors. They're a bit beefier. They don't they don't kind of deform as much. So yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think ser- this kind of server way feature is quite nice, as you say. It gives you that fast initial travel so as you say you get basically you get more leverage for less work so you can break from better from the hoods what about rival though well in, in comparison to say you know rivals just much much simpler um and obviously i've been using them for a lot long longer um and wear wise they've just held up really well there's a little bit of light scoring on the paceline rotors now but nothing that would concern you and the pad wear has been even absolutely acceptable um and as they've worn i haven't really felt a change in feel I think on on some of the earlier generation disc road systems, as the pads wore, you had a real noticeable drop off in performance. You know, so where you would take the pads out and have a look and think, "Oh, there's plenty of life left in these pads," but I don't want to keep using them <laughs> because you know I'm I'm really having to grab big fistfuls of brake to get it to to work. Um, I would say with rival, they don't use. SRAM have got a new, um, well, they've been using it for quite a few years, the bleeding edge port, which just makes bleeding and maintaining your brakes so easy. It's just like a little push fit. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to get spanners out or rags to catch the dot fluid pouring over your garage floor or whatever. Um, they just have a normal threaded fitting, which, you know, it, it does take a bit more care to use. Um, although that in the two years I've had that rival access quick bike, I haven't actually felt the need to bleed the brakes yet. They've They've been fine. They've stayed sealed. They've, you know, it, it's just been absolutely, you know, really, really good. Uh, brake feels excellent. I'm running them with a 160 rotor front, 140 on the rear, um, and they are packed with power, you know, and um, it is easy usable. So you don't often lock up a brake unless you really want to. You know, everybody loves skids. <laughs> um, and I would say that if you're out on a particularly wet ride and once you get a bit of heat into that, into especially the front brake, they do get a bit vocal. They get a bit squealy. Yeah. Um, but you just take a few more kilometres and scrub the brakes a few times, and and that goes away. It's not like the original disc road bikes where you know you would once they got once they got overheated and started making a noise, they were making a noise for the whole duration of your ride and annoy, annoying everybody around you. That that doesn't happen anymore. Good. But I would say in this instance, you know, Shimano wins out on the braking front because they're the ones that have really seemed to have try to push the technology forward yeah i think i'd agree with that i, I think you know sram's sram's braking is is excellent and and i i completely agree like that you know they they get a little bit loud when it's wet but then once it dries out thankfully sram's sram brakes seem to quieten down whereas the first generation of shimano brakes once they got the hydraulic road disc brakes once they got wet they stayed loud yeah <laughs> and we were almost embarrassed to you to use your brakes for the rest of the ride yeah. so um there is that but yeah i think i think i agree like I, I, as i said I've, I've not used 105 di2 but if they've got the same kind of technology as ultegra and durace the new durace di2 then yeah there's just that kind of little introductions of slightly newer technology that just makes things a bit nicer but i'm sure you know saram will be working on that won't they how about usability though um you know, obviously, ETAP and Shimano Di2 have kind of different shifting logics, different apps, different things about that. Which one do you think was easiest to live with? Well, I mean, you know, if you take it right back to to both their origins, you know, Shimano and SRAM just took so different approaches. You know, Shimano, I mean, I was at the original launch for, for Di2, and they kept the dual trigger button approach of STI, um, and just emulated it with with electronics, which um, you can see why they would do it because everybody's familiar with how Shimano works. You know who isn't familiar with Shimano? You know if you, if you have got a mechanical Shimano bike and you move to Di2, it'll be second nature. You'll just go, oh right, that's it. It's just a you know it's a click rather than a sweep. So you get shifting. You know right hand lever looks after the rear gears, left hand controls the front. Nice and simple. Shimano do have 
two ways that you can set it. So the system can take take some of the load with two automated modes. You know, you can have synchro shift and semi-synchro. Synchro takes over front shifting for you, so you don't have to worry about the rear. You get a certain way up the block, and it will go, oh, you, you, know, you need to move now. Um, and it will do that for you. Semi-synchro, which I think is actually a much more usable one, is when you change the front shift, either up or down, it will automatically compensate at the back, so it will get you in the next best gear, which is actually quite kind of fun. You know, I quite like that that setup. I mean, I don't use it all of the time, but I have been known on massive, you know, big big alpine days out. You know, when you're into that last couple of hours and you're absolutely shattered and you you've got like a mind fog. I quite like putting it semi-synchro because it's one less thing to think about. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I completely agree on that. And I, you know, obviously, I've read your review of Voltegra Di2 on uh, BikeRadar.com. And if you haven't read that, it's well worth checking it out. But yeah, I completely agree on the kind of full synchro shifting thing. It's just sometimes I think it's because you know we you know we live in a place where there are lots of like short sharp climbs, and often you just want to you know you know that okay, this isn't going to be the most efficient thing to do. But if I shift down, I'm going to have to shift back up again as soon as I get over the top of this hill and it's only going to be 30 seconds so I'm just going to power over this in big big and we'll get over it it'll be fine <laughs> you know because ele- <laughs> you can abuse electronic drivetrains like that you know yeah. they're so quiet they're so fuss free you know you're not going to drop a chain but then if you're in full synchro shift as soon as you get to that part as soon as you get to the big big Shimano goes oh you want to shift yeah. and it will just drop you down whether you're standing up <laughs> you know, whether you're sitting down, whether you want it to or not. And so I find that, you know, I've had a few bikes delivered with full synchro shift on and you haven't quite realized it. And I find like, why did you do that? I don't want to do it. You know? <laughs> but as you say, the sort of semi-synchro shift thing, it kind of does that thing that, you know, most experienced riders will do when you shift up at the front, you know, you know you're going to have to shift up the cassette one or two just to kind of compensate, keep your cadence the same. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing when, when I, I remember when ETAP kind of arrived on the scene and being on a, on a, a big ride in in Italy, actually, and we were all the bikes that we were riding were all were all eat up equipped, and a couple of the other guys around me were sort of complaining that, well, because you have to press both buttons on the front to shift, it's really difficult to compensate. You know, it's difficult. And I'd been riding eat up for a long time, and I just said, well, no, you can. It's just here's a little tip for you: just keep your finger in. <laughs> so you press both buttons, but leave your right, right finger attached, sure, yeah. and then it automatically compensates for you. Yeah. You, know, you can sort of, you know, but now you can actually set the system up to do that. I mean, SRAM, you know, when they moved into electronic shifting, I mean, I guess it was just because they were much newer to the to the game, you know, and they they did they come with double tap, yeah. so they'd already eliminated the two buttons either side, you know, which Shimano and Campag both had. But I think they took electronics as a way to reimagine shift logic, which was really kind of interesting, um, simplifying it as just far as possible. So right-hand button puts you in a harder gear. Left-hand puts you in a softer gear. Press both together, it shifts the front. It's that simple, you know. And anybody that that I've kind of put on a SRAM bike that's never ridden it before, of whatever level, it's kind of within a few hundred yards, they go, oh, yeah, get this. It's it's really kind of you know it's the equivalent of like a flappy paddle gearbox in a car. It's that simple. I mean, I, I uh, earlier in the year I was over, I was over in the states um, actually visiting uh, Zip, and then I went down to see SRAM and and went to meet some of the SRAM R and D guys. And it's this kind of electronic shifting is something that they their mad kind of black box R and D department have done so many like wild things on which are, you know, and so when I was there they had. Um, and this predates ETAP, um, they had a glove that you could use to shift. So it's like they, there were triggers in the fingers and thumbs. <laughs> so you could literally just squeeze the bars of your bike and it would shift gear. And I think that that got really, really close to coming to production until one of the final production pre-production meetings where I was sitting there, somebody just brought up the fact that it's like, you, you know, gloves wear out, <laughs> which kind of, yeah, you know, but yeah. you know, that's an interesting Not everyone thing. likes to wear gloves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not everyone likes to wear gloves. You have to make them in lots of different sizes and they're going to wear out. It's kind of all these things. Yeah, but well, I was so impressed that they got, you know, that these guys, these, you know, they're mad engineers have gone so far down that, that, that way. I mean, they even had like a, um, a, a helmet that you could use to, to shift, you know, so it was almost kind of like a, you know, facial expression shifting thing, which again, just the, the the mad sort of thing that they looked at. So it could tell right from the very conception of, of moving into electronics, they were looking at things differently. And I kind of, you know, I kind of like that, you know, I remember when Campagnolo launched EPS and being in a presentation with them and they just said, this is the lightest electronic group set there is. You cannot make one lighter. And there was any questions. I said, well, you can make it lighter. I said, why? 
How? I said, well, you can get rid of two buttons. You've got two buttons either side. You don't need them. It's electronic. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, but I would say, you know, and SRAM, like Shimano, they have, they have a sequential mode, which is effectively full synchro, and they have a compensation mode, which compensates the yeah. rear change on the back. Um, I mean, I would say out on the road, it's just such a tough call. Both shift smooth accurately quickly if you're a long time shimano devotee you'll appreciate the familiarity of the i2 that said sram's brilliance is just its simplicity you know the axis shift logic it takes minutes to feel like second nature you know the only problem is when you keep jumping back between them all i i still get my get confused now i mean i think friday i was riding a, riding this rival axis equipped gravel bike and then at the weekend i went out on my integra di2 bike and it was kind of Half an hour into that, I was going, oh, what am I doing? I keep, I, I, I'm shifting <laughs> yeah. wrong. Why but am I doing I, but I've, so, so I think that's kind of interesting because I, I completely agree with you. And I think that's the main problem with, with Shimano is that it, it's just not as intuitive. I prefer personally, you know, because I am a long time sort of Shimano user. I never had SRAM mechanical. I've never owned a bike with SRAM on it. But whenever I get on a bike with SRAM, I, I get it immediately yeah. and I never miss a shift. But when you get on a bike with DI2, especially if, you know, you're wearing full finger gloves, the kind of the button, you know, which is a lot in this country because it's always cold and wet and I, you know, suffer from cold hands. It's it's very easy to pick out the wrong button yeah. on a I mean, on they a have DI2 done quite a bit shifter. of work on that. You know, the latest generation yeah. one, you know, the the larger paddle is now much more scalloped and the smaller paddle is, te- is textured and raised a yeah. little bit. So you do have a, there is a certain there, there is There is more. There is and I think if more. you... You know, if it you weren't like us, you just had the one system. Either way, you went. You you know, you're yeah. not going to complain. No, 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 no. It's it's just it's just that I just think it it just isn't as simple. You know, it is simple. It's four buttons instead yeah. of two, right? And it's not that four buttons are hard to learn. They're not. They're obviously not. But it's just that a very very occasionally, I just you know just shift the wrong way on the cassette, right? Or like I go to shift down and I press the button that shifts up yeah. and actually so nothing happens and then you know obviously it's very easily corrected you just you know, yeah. press the other button but it's just that kind of annoying thing that you know never happens with SRAM you know you, as you say it's, it's right button harder left button easier both for the front yeah I mean I um, back in the back in the summer I had a tiny um, SRAM axis equipped road bike in um, which I lent to my partner who's um, half Italian long time you know long time rider She's only ever ridden Campagnolo because she's Italian. And I put her on this um, Axis Quit bike and we went for a ride. And within like 10 minutes, she was going, why isn't it all shifting like this? This is so simple. Why, you know, why can't it all be like this? You know, and she was just, you know, and, and, and as I say, yeah, she's, she's completely only ever used, only ever used Campag shifting, mechanical shifting that is as well. You know, and she was going, this is just brilliant. I can't, you know, and so... It's one of those things. So I'd say on this one, you know, this it's a it's a score draw. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those main parts of this head to head where it's almost where your affiliations already are. You know, sure. Okay. Well, we'll kind of move on from that then. What about? I know people take very very keen interest in this. What about weight? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, we can all get totally and utterly bogged down yeah. in, the, in the minutiae of weight. It doesn't, you know. And it's something that's going to be argued about on these two systems and these two systems compared to mechanical and, and everything that, that comes with it, you know. 105 is lighter, pretty much across the board. The shifters, the brakes, the chain set, trailers. Um, but SRAM has a lighter cassette, which chains lighter. Plus, they don't have wires and a large battery um, to concern the scales. So the difference overall isn't really that much. You know, 105 DI2 for the complete system, including cables, etc. Which is often overlooked in when you see lots of claimed weights. Um, Two thousand nine hundred sixty-two point five grams. SRAM rival comes in at three thousand and seventy-six grams. Now, when you take the difference between those, and I did Google search what weighs that difference, one hundred and thirteen and a half grams. That's the weight of your average banana. Now, I would just say, although Shimano wins out. A, it's a hollow victory because the caveat I would put on that is if you're basing a buying decision on the weight of a banana, you really do need to take a good, long, hard <laughs> look at yourself. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you know, anyone who's kind of like read any of my work on bikeradar.com will know that I'm not a kind of a, a keen, keen weight weenie. And, and I, yeah, I'd kind of completely agree with that. If you're basing a buying decision on 113 grams, you, you know, it, it, it's just, it isn't going to, it's not going to affect your performance. You know, you're not going to be able to feel it. You might be able to convince yourself that you can feel it, but realistically, you're not going to feel it. Now, if you are a weight weenie and you're building up a hill climb bike, you know, I, I would probably just say, don't look at SRAM Rival or 105 Di2. There are kind of mechanical yeah. group sets okay. that come in far lighter, far cheaper. It's not that you know, weight doesn't matter in in any kind of sense, but in the context of this test, I would completely agree. It just doesn't matter. So yeah, a kind of a victory to Shimano by 113 and a half grams, but you know, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a hollow victory. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, what about kind of the kind of more important thing for a lot of people, because these are two group sets at the kind of, you know, I said the lower end of the electronic pricing group scale, but obviously, you know, in the kind of co the context of the modern it's world, relative. it's still not cheap. Let's talk about price and value. I would say when Shimano announced 105 DI2, I had such massively high hopes, you know, we've, we've sat here and issued the the brilliance of 105 mechanical and that kind of price per performance punch that it, it obviously has you know so i thought brilliant finally shimano electronic shifting you know for the masses um with the same value as mechanical 105 but the retail price is 1730 pounds pretty much the same in dollars um in fact current prices 105 di2 is 80 pounds more expensive than SRAM Force Axis, which is a whole tier above. And that's, you know, that's... That's just, equivalent to Ultegra level stuff. That's Ultegra, yeah. yeah. That's Ultegra level. Yeah, and so Rival Axis at 1,314 just undercuts it massively. And even with Rival, if you add in some of the extras that are available to you, say a power meter, a set of wireless blips, which we can, we'll talk about in a bit, um, it's still £214 cheaper. And that's... That's not a yeah, insignificant not amount. Yeah, is it? that's 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 exactly that. That's a, a good pair of tires and a new handlebar or a new saddle or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so that's a clear win to SRAM, then, is it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I agree. Like, I think you know, comparing prices at the moment is really difficult because obviously, you know, SRAM announced rival access in 2021 when. You know, you think, well, though, actually, that was during the pandemic, wasn't it? <laughs> so, you know, and obviously, you know, yeah, we've had since massive inflation recently, and maybe Shimano's trying to compensate for that. But I have to admit, I was also kind of disappointed in how how expensive uh, Shimano 105 is. You know, like, we're, it's coming up to Black Friday now, and actually this podcast is going out on Black Friday, most likely. And and I think, you know, I've seen a rim brake 105 group set going for around 300 quid this week. And, you know, obviously that's a rim brake group set, you know, it's mechanical, but like, you know, that's, that's a steal, you know, is, is 105 DI2 going to be, you know, six, six times better than that? Like it's a hard sell, even as good as 105 DI2 is that, that is a hard sell. Whereas, as you say, for rival, obviously that's still significantly more expensive than a mechanical group set, but at 400 pounds less, you know, 400 pounds is a decent chunk of money. I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what else? Now, you've labelled this on your copy. Extra time was. Yeah, because you know, as it stands, you know, Shimano's up five four. You know, we're, <laughs> I'd rather be talking about these two group sets than talking about uh, some people kicking balls around in the Middle East, um, <laughs> in the middle of a desert, in the middle of a desert. Yeah. Um, so yeah, extra time. So I would say on this, this is all about all that additional benefit that you should be getting from electronics is electronics shouldn't just exist just to take the place of something mechanical that works perfectly well. You know, bringing electronics into the game should give you more, um, which kind of brings me on to the big issue that I had with the last generation of DI2. It was a system that was absolutely capable of connecting with a, with a head unit or with, the, you know, Shimano's phone app, but only if you added the extra Bluetooth connector, the WU111. It's kind of embedded yeah, in my brain because I used to like... complain about it so much. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> yes. it was part of the group set, but yeah. nobody specified it. So you no. never got a bike in with it. So, Absolutely. you know, I'd be riding like a, you know, 15,000 pound superbike with cutting edge Dura SDI2 on it. And it couldn't do everything it should be able to yeah. do because nobody added that extra. And it, 
it's like I think it's they were about eighty quid for that Bluetooth antenna, but it wasn't just the eighty quid because you needed to fit it. Therefore, yeah. you needed another bit of wiring. You probably need a second shop to get it done. So you're yeah, talking. You wanted to put it somewhere like that didn't yeah. kind of ruin the aesthetics of your bike as well, yeah. right? Like it wasn't it wasn't very well integrated. So just for those who don't know, what was it talking about? Is a little kind of like additional Bluetooth dongle that essentially gave the di2 system the ability yeah. to use bluetooth which was all built into the system yeah. but, but you just, needed the dongle yeah, but you needed this, yeah, this off. yeah yeah <laughs> it's sort of you know yeah I, and that it just sort of really really annoyed me um so i used to i feel i always feel like somewhat cheated by having having that um that kind of thrust upon you but sram with axis it was all built in thankfully new 12 speed di2 including 105 has the bluetooth built in so that means you can connect it to the YouTube app. Well, that means you can adjust, you can change settings, you can perform updates, and and the YouTube app is expanding and is getting better as it as it progresses. Um, and you can connect it to a head unit too. The only thing I would say with one of five is sadly it doesn't get the hidden buttons that sit on top of the um, on top of the hoods that you get on Ultegra Di2, DuraX Di2, and GRX Di2. And the only reason I like those is because they mean you can swap between Garmin screens without taking your hands off the bars which is brilliant you know it's just fantastic especially if you're riding like super tech you know gravel terrain and stuff like that where it actually feels quite dangerous you know if you want to get off your kind of power screen or your speed screen and put your map on to see where you're going to go taking a hand off the bars when it's rough and bouncy is not ideal so yeah. just being able to just click with your thumb fabulous but as I say Bluetooth that that element isn't on 105 DI2 which is a bit of a shame um, but it's a huge step forward just to have Bluetooth included. SRAM's Axis connectivity is impressive, as is the Axis app. I mean, I think, you know, the Axis app, to be honest, um, I now use the Axis app more than I use Strava because the Axis app is capable of recording your ride in the same way as Strava does, and it co-uploads to Strava, so you don't lose, you know, it's not like your ride's going into the ether or anything, but it adds component data recording, which um, you can end up getting super nerdy about. Um, so it would, tell you how many times you shift gears in both front and rear um, and it will give you other metrics like how many front shifts you do per kilometer or rear shifts gear usage time spent in each gear distance spent in each gear and if you had a power meter it will overlay all that as well yeah so i mean after you know being a being a rider for you know 30 35 years or whatever um i found that after using the access app for so long and then looking over data and stuff like that you know actually sort of going god i think i've spent the last 35 years riding too high to gear all the time you know what i mean it's yeah, kind of, yeah. it, it really kind of uh, you have to draw so much out of it and you can probably go too far actually with what the access app can do because you could add in you know the quark the tire whiz um, yeah. which for anybody who doesn't know is that it's basically a bluetooth device that you fit to the valve of your of your tire and um it will constantly monitor and transmit air pressure to to your screen to record that so you can actually you know you can actually find out your optimum tire pressure for that kind of speed comfort balance or, or whatever so you could waste a lot of time with the access app just deep digging into numbers yeah i think it's nice to have that added information though and i do think i think you're right in the sense that you know yeah it's great that shimano has added in this kind of bluetooth functionality to the group set as standard but the e2 project app is still in comparison to sram's access yeah. app like woefully kind yeah. of under it's basically a maintenance app more than yeah, anything it else is, you know yeah. it's a real shame you know I, I, as i say with with sram axis um you can even heart rate in there as well so you can have this huge kind of wealth of data that's just um so i, I would argue that the axis app can actually be a really constructive and and progressive tool for training yeah you know and not just just monitoring your ride you know and of course it will keep your firmware updates going on all that sort of thing and one of the things they've just introduced recently is um rear mech adjustment from your phone on the fly so you can be riding along and going oh that's a bit crunchy that that chain line doesn't feel optimum you can just ping it connected to your phone and ride along making quarter of a millimeter adjustments on where the mix is until that noise goes away and you go oh it's back in it's back in tune maybe, maybe do that off the off road <laughs> <laughs> we can't recommend but yeah. i can't officially recommend that but uh yeah. yeah but you can it's a possibility it's a possibility that you can do it or even just the fact that you can actually you know if your bike's in the work stand you can be yeah. you know you no, can be exactly. spinning it yeah and and just literally on your phone going that's yeah. better that's even 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things. I think you're right. Like, you, you know, you, we, we can all kind of get too bogged down in data. And there's an argument to be made that we don't need power meters, we don't need heart rates, we don't need gearing information. But at the same time, you know, someone like me and you, you know, people who listen to, you know, nerdy bike radar podcasts like this, like we want that information. And, and as you say, you know, the gearing information, it might seem like, well, what do I do with that? But actually, like if you're finding out that you're spending all your time, you know, in a kind of big, big gear combination, you know, maybe maybe you need a smaller front chain ring for, for the riding that you're doing, you know, you know, or vice versa, whatever, right? Like you can work out how to kind of optimize your drive your drivetrain. Yeah, I just think, it. you know, SRAM's approach has just to be embraced that kind of electronic and transmissible data world, you know, and and they've they've jumped into it two footed, which is really, you know, um I I'd I'd really argue that's a great thing. And then, you know, if we're moving back to the actual kind of physical physicality of, of them, 105's DO2 levers, they're stripped down compared to Ortegra, so you don't get the accessory ports, so you can't add satellite shifters. Um, and SRAM did exactly the same with rival axis. Um, they omitted the extra ports, so you had satellite shifters, et cetera. But they have a really good workaround in form of wireless blips. Mm. So these are little 90 pounds a pair. I think they're I think they're $90 as well. Um and that just means that you can add satellite shifting, and it just does it wirelessly. I mean, they're sealed units, so you can't replace the batteries in them. So that ninety pounds—they're supposed to last five years, mm. um, which we'll see. But it does mean you can, you know, I've, you know, I've, I always put my um, satellite shifters like under the bars on the tops because I quite like being able to sort of stealth shift um, when I'm climbing. It's especially good if you're riding with somebody else because you can just like look like you're really relaxed and just sitting on the flats on the tops of your bars and just chatting away and <laughs> just drop a couple of gears and drift off. <laughs> um, but, you know, for someone like yourself, if you were using rival axis, you could add, you know, blip shifters on the end of your TT extensions. Yeah. Yeah, with, or by the brakes, with or absolutely you no, want. Yeah. no faff at all. You know, yeah. it's. Um, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, well, on the TT thing, it's kind of one of those things. I don't, you know, Shimano's kind of they've not really updated their TT offerings for the new generations of uh, Di2, and it's kind of weird. Like, you, I think, I think if you're on the new generation now, uh, they're not. I don't know if they're still compatible with the. They may, they may well be because the old, the old kind of shit. All the TT shifters are wired basically, yeah. so you kind of have to use it like the old ones. And if you don't have the ones with the four buttons, which I think have been may have been discontinued, you have to use the ones with the two buttons, and they only work in sort of synchro shifting. Right? <laughs> and you might have seen Ethan Hayter drop a chain at right. the TT World Championships this year, and that's because basically the chain fell off. But because he had synchro shift on, because he's using the new twelve speed uh, Di two, he couldn't force a shift. Yes, basically, and so he couldn't get the chain back onto the chain ring, and so obviously for me as a time trial, I think like, well, I don't ever want, you know, I don't want that. No, no. <laughs> so it's kind of tricky, and yeah, if you're if you're looking to spec a TT bike with Shimano 105 Di2, you don't have quite the same customization. Well, you can't, yeah, options, you can't fit, you know, so, you can't fit extra shifters. You know, so, you're, you're you're literally shifting from the hoods, and that's it. Um, and I'd say that you know, Rival has the one more advantage over 105 in the fact that they've got a power meter. Yeah, um, I'd like. You know the meters that, that you've been testing recently. Um, you know, and the roundups that we have, and the best list that we have. The rival axis meter is only single-sided. You know, it's uh, built into the left-hand crank arm. It's chainset, you know, on the chainset's axle. Only measures your left leg, so it's like cheap single-sided stages or the you know the old one-pedal Garmin vectors, etc. Yeah, there are lots of other. Yeah, it's it, it's a thing. Yeah, I mean, two hundred thirty pounds are not great. 320 is the full chain set. It's one of the cheapest that there is out there. Yeah. Um, and I've used it and I've consistently been using it sort of uh, for probably the same amount of time as I've been using my my quark, my four axis quark dual-sided. And um, it's consistent. The power's consistent. You just don't get as much interesting data out of it. Yeah. Um, I, th I think, you know, in terms, you know, obviously I've not used one, but I, I would say that it comes from a kind of reputable brand. It's a really good price. You know, if, if you're kind of just want it to you know, take that kind of first step into it, it's probably a really good option. And and I agree, like, it's, it's a shame that there isn't a kind of, you know, obviously, Shimano has its dual-sided option at, at Durace and Ultegra. I've had a little bit of time on the new Durace power meter. Like, the data seems quite good from it. I have, you know, I haven't had a chance to give it a full runaround. But obviously, yeah, if you, if you want a power meter on your 105 bike, you're going to have to look at a stages or a 4i or, you know, yeah, like, pony up for... You know, actually, I would quite recommend ponying up for a quark spider. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I think, and I'd say, you know, good. the other thing with that that rival axis meter is it runs off a AAA battery. Yeah, and so you get those everywhere. It, it, you can get those everywhere, and it's just so, you know, it's just so simple. You know, I've had that on for 
um i think about a year it's been on there now and i think the battery level's down to about 30 percent. so even that is kind of like i've still got three triple a batteries in a packet so you know i've got another few years of use out of it um so i would say when it comes to the extras and the add-ons SRAMAC rival access just just wins out sure okay well that makes it Five five. Yes. So, <laughs> is there a penalty shooter? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's the thing, isn't it? You know, the competition between these two is just yeah. fierce, and it won't do anything to quell anybody who wants to defend their corner. You know, be their SRAM or Shimano yeah. fans. There just isn't that much to to split them. Rivalax is cheaper. One of five's lighter. One of five's braking's better, but Rival's better on poorer roads. You know, one of five. Has connectivity, but Rival Access does it better. Mm. And you have more options. You have the wireless, you have the power meter, et cetera, et cetera. Though when it comes weirdly, when it comes to complete 105 DR2 equipped bikes, they are tending to come in cheaper than Rival Access. Um, I'm not sure why. I think it's probably just down to the sheer economies of scale that yeah, Shimano is so big. You know, if you're a big brand buying Shimano group sets across every level and across mm. every discipline you're probably getting a better price. Sure. You know? yeah. So that's the kind of the way it is. It's a reality. So yeah, OEM, you know, original equipment, one of five DR2 bikes do seem to be better value. That said though, we are seeing it, and I've tested a few bikes this year, like Trek with the with the new Amondo, the new Damani, and Canyon with the the you know the yeah, the right. more affordable air road, yeah. which I've just tested. Mm. I gave it, you know, a five star yeah. review. They are bundling the power meter in with that. So it's yeah, kind it's of like really a nice it's sense, a yeah. it's a literally a one stop shop. You know, yeah. you're you know, you're paying quite a bit of money for these bikes, and I do like the idea of buying a bike and not having to add anything to it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So I would say personally, my preference is Rival Axis, although I'm sure a lot of people out there would vehemently disagree with me. Yeah, and I, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. I think I think I think because I'm a Shimano guy, I feel gravitating. You know, I would gravitate towards 105 Di2, but but I do have to admit that. There are a lot of things about SRAM Rival that I really like, and I mean, you know, the long and short of it is, I'm probably not going to buy either because <laughs> I'm a cheapskate and I'm going to keep riding mechanical 105. But um, yeah, it's a really, really tricky one. Uh, but I think you've made some really interesting points. But now we want to hear from you, our wonderful listeners. Let us know what you think. We're going to post this podcast in the article on ByRadar.com. So do let us know which group set you prefer in the comments below. Of course, you can always email us at podcast at com if you have any thoughts or questions, and we'll look to address those in a future episode. And if you have a moment, please do leave us a five-star rating and a review if you think we deserve it. But thank you very much, Warren. Thanks, Ari. And cheers for listening. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends, or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 